This podcast was recorded Thursday, December 21st at 10.03 a.m. Things may have changed by the time you hear this. Like the U.S. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg will have a restful holiday. Remember all the heat he took last year when that Southwest Airlines chaos occurred? Not fun. Let's talk politics. This is Snollygoster, WOSU Public Media's weekly look at Ohio politics and all those Snollygosters, those shrewd politicians who lip sync when singing Christmas carols. I'm Mike Thompson. You know, I've been known to lip sync, and those who have heard me sing, they appreciate it. Coming up in the podcast, Donald Trump makes his pick for the U.S. Senate seats from Ohio. But first, if you recall, and if you listen to the wonderful podcast, The Power Grab, had Larry Householder not been indicted, tossed out of the legislature, put on trial, convicted of bribery, and sent to prison for 20 years, had that not all happened... Larry Householder wanted to end or extend term limits so he could remain Speaker of the Ohio House for many more years. That was Part B of the nuclear bailout scheme. Part A was get elected to the House, get elected Speaker, win passage of the bailout. Part B was change the Constitution to extend or eliminate term limits. Stunningly bold, but of course, Part B did not happen. But apparently, the idea is not dead. Last week, the current House Speaker, Jason Stevens, said this about term limits and the constant turnover of lawmakers. I think there's a lot of people thinking about a constitutional amendment, and I think it's something that should be looked into. You come in and boom, you've got $100 billion of budget to figure out in six months, and you don't know where the bathrooms are. Those comments were pretty much unsolicited. Reporters did not ask him about term limits. He brought it up. Maybe he was just pontificating or perhaps shrewdly sending up a trial balloon. Here's the history for those who don't remember it. By a two-thirds majority in 1992, Ohio voters enshrined term limits in the Constitution. Basically, state elected leaders are limited to eight years in office. Statewide office holders are limited to two four-year terms. State senators, limited to two four-year terms. State reps, four two-year terms. Ohio voters in 92 also limited the terms of U.S. senators and congressmen and women, but the U.S. Supreme Court said, ah, no, states can't mess with federal offices. So that didn't happen. Anyway, for the past three decades, Ohio lawmakers have been forced to leave their offices after eight years. Of course, there are ways around it. State reps stay eight years in the House, then win a seat in the Senate, stay eight years, and then sometimes go back to the House. But term limits have changed the way business is done on Capitol Square. The question is, is it for the better? Do term limits make for better governing? Do they make life better for Ohio citizens? To help us get to the bottom of those questions, we are joined by a man who has worked as a Democratic strategist and a lobbyist at the State House, Derek Clay. He is Senior Vice President for Shoemaker Advisors. Derek Clay, welcome back to Snelly Goster. Hey, thanks for having me, Mike. How you doing? Good, thanks. Happy holidays Good. to you. Um, yeah, likewise. You know, the theory behind term limits is you get new blood in the legislature. You get rid of the so-called career politicians who perhaps have lost touch with their constituents. Is that playing out in Columbus in the three decades we've had term limits? Well, uh, yes and no. So, you know, when legislators get to Columbus, 
a lot of times they are seeking knowledge from folks that have been around for a long time. And those folks happen to be folks like me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, who are the lobbyists, the the institutions over at, uh, over on Capitol Square and, uh, you know, folks that maybe work in state government, not necessarily as an elected official. So there is a learning curve. Um, when you talk about term limits, there is that that struggle of, you know, should the people be the term limits? for a elected leader, or should those term limits be imposed by uh, by our law? And right now they're imposed by our law. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's an argument on both sides as to whether term limits is is a good thing or, or a bad thing. You know, in making those comments, Speaker Stevens said that each term, 25% of lawmakers are brand new. Is that a problem? I mean, it seems like that's a, that's a healthy turnover. You know, it is, it is a healthy turnover, um, but at the same time, there's a, there's that learning curve again. Yeah. Uh, learning learning how the legislature works for one. I mean, when I, I remember when I uh, started as an aide back in '94, this was a couple years after term limits was was passed in Ohio. Um, it takes a while to really learn how the legislature works. Um, you know, learning committees and learning the committee structure and learning how. Uh, true bills are made into law, right? Because it's not its not just, you know, putting a bill out there, having it go through the committee process, passing the House, and then going to the Senate and signed by the governor. It's not schoolhouse rock? It's not house... <laughs> right. It's not quite that? <laughs> no, it is not that at all. Um, you know, there, is, there are so many things that go into how a bill is made into law. Um, so the learning curve for legislators is is vast. And the question too is when you are when you when you know you're facing term limits, are you running for your next office mm-hmm. as soon as you get into the office that you're elected to? Because there is a hard and fast eight years, both at the House and the Senate. And a lot of times, you know, legislators know that that deadline is coming and they may be uh, you know, looking for their their next opportunity. Yeah, of course, the critique for especially state reps and then in Washington for congressmen and women, when you have to run for re-election every two years, you know, and there's no term limits in D.C. right now, but then you're always, you, you, you get there one year, then you're automatically going to start running again. So that's, you right. know, for, that's what's happened there. You know, uh, Speaker Stevens said lawmakers come in right away and they have to pass a state budget, which is a huge job. But I was thinking, you know, there is a way around that. You know, you could just have the state budget, the two-year state budget expire on odd number of years, and it's probably in the Constitution, but you, there is a way around that. <laughs> give, give lawmakers a good year to get their feet under them, then work on the state budget. Yeah, I suppose, suppose you could do that. Um, but again, you know, once you get in, you the, the state budget starts to happen, yeah. and you got all of these committees, and you have all of these requests from all these various different people and organizations. And so, you know, it 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 wears on the the legislator to be able to adjust to that very quickly. Now, seasoned politicians that have been over at the state house for a while, they kind of understand what the drill is. But if you're brand new, it it can be a lot. Yeah, and of course, if you're a new governor coming in, because they get they they turn over if they win re-election every eight years, that new governor comes in in January, and that budget process begins a couple months later. So, right, that, you, you're super reliant on on staff that are in, that have been there for a, for a long time. 
Getting to the bouncing back and forth, you know, Bill Batchelder, the late Bill Batchelder was famous for doing that. Bill Seitz has done that. He's bounced back and forth. He's leaving uh, his office at the end of his term now. On the Democratic side, Vernon Sykes was in the House, then jumped to the Senate. When he left the House the first time, his wife succeeded him. The second time, his daughter succeeded him. So that lawmakers do find ways around these limits. Yes, they do. Um, yes, they do. And so I know that... Um, the with like i said before you know once you get elected to statewide office whether you're a state senator whether you're a state representative the time starts ticking you know you got you know you got eight years in the house you got eight years in the senate a lot of times you know uh legislators are looking to move up in rank mm -hmm. so they they may well may want to try to find a leadership position and so you got eight years to figure that out all the while, you're still trying to serve your constituents, uh, make sure that you're staying on top of your committees that you're assigned and that state budget that's in there, too. And we we haven't forgotten about we shouldn't forget about the state capital budget, too, yep. because that's on odd years. Yeah. So well, that, that is on odd years. OK, so that, this is the, the budget that funds projects around the state. Right. This is brick and mortar projects around the state. Mm -hmm. So you have to, yeah. So that that goes to that odd year thing I was I was talking about there, and to do right. both of those in the same year might might be difficult from a logistical standpoint. They're both big lifts, anyway. Um, so I go back to it, Mike. You yeah. know, is the is the should term limits be determined by the people? Yeah. Or should it continue to be remain or uh, determined by by state law? And right now we're under that state law. There has been some talk about expanding the term limits mm -hmm. uh, from from eight years to maybe 12 years. And I think that that's where Speaker Stevens was going in his comments, even though he didn't necessarily get into it. Yeah. You know, Tom Suttis, the longtime political ob reporter, observer, uh, he, he's down at Ohio University now. He, he says term limits have been a fiasco for Ohio. Would you agree with that? Is that. <laughs> I mean, look, look at. Look at the scandals that we've had in the state, mm -hmm. um, the power grabs. I mean, look what's happening right now with with the speaker fight uh, over in over in the House. You know, we term limits creates a an unnecessary urgency, if you will, um, for legislators to get things done. Now we have some very good legislators in in our state government. Uh, these are dedicated men and women that uh, want to serve the people of Ohio, but at the same time, you know, because of the because of the the, the time clock on their terms, you know, they have to make choices too about what they're going to be doing after eight years. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they have to make the decisions about whether they're going to run for for leadership, like I said before, or if they're going to try to find another office. So. It, it it does create a little bit of a fiasco in the sense that folks are always looking at what's next. Um, the institutional knowledge is really with the special interests and the lobbyists, um, as, as well as people that have been staffed staff with state government for, for some time. So, you know, a lot of the institutional knowledge, whereas before it came with the lawmaker and they could tell you what happened in previous general assemblies. Now, a lot of that knowledge goes back to the special interests and in, in folks that have been working in state government for for decades. Um, 
Which has hurt lawmaking more, term limits or gerrymandering? Oh, gerrymandering, of course. Because that that leads Gerryma- to... No, there's no question that gerrymandering has hurt, uh, has hurt lawmaking. And the reason why I say that is because you don't get diverse thought in your legislative making. When you gerrymander districts, of course you're gerrymandering districts and you're alienating. So if you're gerrymandering... That means somebody's getting alienated, right? Yeah. So if somebody is alienated, then that thought and voice is suppressed. So I think gerrymandering all day long is is worse than, than term limits. And you, you talk about the two paths to limit terms. There's the law, which we have in Ohio, or there are the voters. And if you right. have gerrymandering, the districts are not competitive. So the voters' role in limiting terms disappears. You might, now that one Republican will have to leave office after eight years, or one Democrat will have to leave office after eight years, but they'll be replaced by a person of their same party. That's right. So that, that's right. Yeah. Is there a, co- so you, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. So, so like all I was going to say is that you just don't get diversity in thought when you have gerrymandered districts. Yeah. Is there a compromise here? I mean, the voters overwhelmingly passed this and it still remains popular. Uh, but is there a compromise? Like, say, extend it to twelve year, twelve years in office, but you cannot immediately jump to the other chamber, oh, and you cannot serve more than twelve years in one office over the course of your lifetime. Is there a, is there a compromise? Maybe it's sixteen years. I think that there's room for compromise, but I think the reason why we had term limits in the first place, especially going back to to the early nineties. Is you you did have some scandals back in the early '90s. You did have one party that was ruling forever uh, in in the state, um, and not not forever, but I mean for at least the last 20 years. Back when we we did ter- term limits back in the '90s, um, so I think that there was some frustration amongst the voters. I think if the voters are educated properly about the pros and cons of term limits and how term limits either from 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 the voters perspective how term limits either empowers their voice or decreases it yeah then i think that you have some healthy d- debate about that have some hearings in the house and the senate and actually take it on the road do a road show uh around the state so that that voters and citizens of the state actually can participate in the process mm-hmm. i think a lot of times Voters feel uh, disenfranchised even by their elected leaders because they don't feel like they know what's going on. Still a tough sell, though, right? Right now, you could. No, it's a tough sell. Yeah, I mean, especially with the the House Bill Six scandal. Yep, that's still fresh in everybody's mind. It's still it's going to be a hard sell. Derek Clay. Democratic strategist, uh, lobbyist for Shoemaker and Associates on Capitol Square. Thanks for joining us here on Snellygoster. Thank you, Mike. Have a great Christmas. Hey, you too. Happy holidays. Thank you. We'll be right back. Think of all the things you can do in 10 minutes or less. Scroll through social media, check your bank balance, make a sandwich, or learn about the surprising economics behind all these things. The Indicator from Planet Money is a quick hit of insight into the economics of business, work, and everyday life. Every weekday in less than 10 minutes. Listen now to the Indicator podcast from NPR. 
Time now for our Snollygoster of the Week segment, where we honor the shrewdest politician or political move of the past seven days. This week, we give it to U.S. Senate candidate Bernie Marino, who this week secured the coveted endorsement of former President Donald Trump. Now, if you've been watching his ads for, I don't know, the past two or three months, you'd think this is old news. We love Ohio and we love Bernie Marino. Bernie Marino. It looked like Trump had already endorsed the Cleveland businessman, but the cut from that ad was shrewdly taken out of context. Now, Marino can run that ad over and over again, and it will be completely accurate. It is a little surprising that Trump made this pick so early. State Senator Matt Dolan was not going to get it. He's kind of the anti-Trump candidate in this field. But State Treasurer Frank LaRose was angling for it. Now we'll see if Trump's endorsement leads to a Marino victory like Trump's endorsement did for now current U.S. Senator J.D. Vance. That'll do it for this week's edition of Snollygoster, which is part of the NPR Network. As always, please be sure to leave us a good review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And just tell your friends about us. For our student producer, Katie Genius, our digital producer, Michael DeBonis, and our audio engineer, Dalton Jones, I'm Mike Thompson for Snollygoster from WOSU Public Media. Snollygoster.